you're invited. You're invited to Teddy's birthday party, read the invitation. Like any other kindergartner, Teddy Mazzini wanted to celebrate his birthday by inviting his friends to come and be with him. So in October of last year, his mother sent invitations to 32 of his classmates to join him for free pizza at Peter Piper Pizza in Tucson, Arizona. Invitations were sent out, and she got everything ready for a wonderful pizza party. But the problem was that nobody showed up. While several parents had communicated with her beforehand that they couldn't be there, no one else bothered to let her know. And so her preparations for a big birthday bash fell short, leaving her heartbroken for her son. And so she took this picture of Teddy at his party. And she shared it with a local news reporter who later shared it on his Facebook page. And this photo was shared on social media and people began to respond to it, offering gifts and encouragement to Teddy. But the biggest unexpected birthday present came from the Phoenix Suns, the NBA team there, who invited him to come and see the Lakers play the Suns. And so they tweeted out to Teddy, how about we celebrate with thousands at our place, they said. Tickets to Wednesday's Suns-Lakers game are all yours, Teddy. Talk soon. The city's professional soccer team, also the Phoenix Rising, also invited Teddy to come and joined 7,000 of his closest friends at their playoff game. Although Teddy was rejected at his own birthday party, he was not rejected by those who took notice of such a travesty. And so he received lots of encouragement and support from many there in the community and around the country that were able to turn a sad day into reasons for joy, shaming those who refuse to come. You're invited. Invitations are a great thing, but truth be told, not everyone who's invited wants to come. In fact, there are always some who seem to have other pressing matters to deal with, or they make excuses for why they can't show up. There are some who accept the invitation and who do show up. There are some who RSVP that they cannot attend. And some accept the invitation, just like at Teddy's birthday party, but they never show up. You see, it reminds me of our scripture reading today from Luke's gospel. Jesus actually begins this passage of scripture that we didn't read by accepting the invitation to be a part of a Pharisee's meal, a prominent Pharisee in the local community. And so he goes to enjoy this meal with him and others from the religious community. And in doing so, while they're gathered there, there is a man who has some abdominal swelling. And it happens to be the Sabbath day, and Jesus heals him because it's the right thing to do. But he knows that he's being watched and that many are wondering what he's doing working on the Sabbath. 
But after sending him on his way, Jesus begins to teach them a lesson about humility and the importance of not exalting themselves. And then he challenges them to invite the most unlikely of guests to come to their luncheons or to their dinners instead of friends or relatives or even their rich neighbors, says Jesus. He tells them, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Essentially, Jesus is telling these prominent religious leaders to pay attention to those who are on the margins of society and to be intentional about inviting them to be a part of their own feast. Jesus is inviting them about to be involved as a part of the inclusive nature of the kingdom of God. And he wants them to participate in it here on earth as God participates in it in heaven. But Jesus' message to them is not just an invitation. It's also an indictment that they have not been doing such things. Now, there's nothing worse than insulting the person who invites you over for dinner. And Jesus does this, and everyone kind of notices it, and so it kind of makes it this really awkward moment where that silence just lingers, and no one really knows what to say. So in a, in, a, in a way of breaking that awkward silence, someone speaks up and yells out, Blesses is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, there couldn't be a more truer affirmation in this statement, but rather than affirming this fellow's great theological acumen, Jesus shares a parable that will surprise all seated around the table with him. The parable begins with an invitation to those who are most likely to be invited to such a great feast. Many are invited and they accept that invitation to come. But when the host servant shares that the feast is ready, there seems to be a change of heart. The servant calls out to them, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all make excuses for why they can't be there. One declares that he has just purchased a piece of land and that he needs to go and check it out. Another says that he's just purchased five yoke of oxen and he needs to go try them out. Another says, hey, I just got married, so I I can't be there. Those who were invited and who replied that they would come, they're no-shows. Now, Land is considered to be the most reliable form of revenue in Jesus' day. And so the first person that responds to the servant is declaring that he needs to take care of the largest business deal of his life. Likewise, to own one yoke of oxen meant that you were doing pretty well back in the day. But to be able to purchase five yoke of oxen was kind of like saying... I just won the lottery and I need to go deal with my earnings. Family was at the center of Jewish religious life. And so to have just gotten married is like saying, hey, we just celebrated the most glorious and wonderful thing. We're going to be on our honeymoon so we can't make it. Each response seems reasonable. These excuses that come to us in this parable, well, they're really focused on three things. Business, work, 
security, family. These are the same things that you and I deal with on a daily basis. And the respondents think that the host will surely understand their inabilities to be there. But their excuses do not settle well with the host. And in his anger of being rejected, he commands his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And so the servant does as he is commanded to do so, but then he tells the host that there's still room in the house, and so he commands him yet again, go out to the roads and to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house might be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those who were coming initially, who responded that they would be there and change their minds, they angered the host so much that he invited the most unlikely of people to enjoy what he had prepared for the prominent. Is the host saying to them, I'll show you for rejecting me? Is he trying to insult the original guest with their replacements? Has he had a change of heart because his peers have rejected him? Or is he showing them that those who are poor, rejected, and are marginalized will not refuse such an invitation? host is making it clear that those who refuse the invitation, that they will be surprised to find out the guests who do enjoy his feast. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus' parable highlights the excuses that reject the invitation to come to his feast. I find that it's easy to allow good things to get in the way of God's best for us. And Jesus' parable is inclusive. The invitation is extended to everyone, but not everyone chooses to come. Good things can stunt our spiritual growth, and they can limit our ability to respond to Christ's invitation. If we become too attached to our work, or to our security, or even to our families, we can miss the opportunity to fellowship and to dine with our Lord. The prophet Isaiah exclaims, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Those who show up to the feast, they come not because they're more holy or because they're less sinful, but because they're hungry and thirsty, desiring to be fed. They have no work. 
They have no security. They may not even have family. They do not have money to buy anything. Therefore, they would really be fools if they didn't accept the invitation to come and to be fed at this great feast. And not just to be fed. They will not just physically have their um, physical needs taken care of. They will also receive spiritual food that will satisfy their longing souls. What began as a sad day of rejection for the host will turn into an occasion of great joy. You see, Jesus challenges all of us to reconsider his invitation to come. He doesn't want us to be fooled by the desires of the world, risking his great banquet for things that do not satisfy us. And he also doesn't want us to become so fixated on ourselves that we neglect those who are uninvited, those who are rejected, those who are alone. In fact, his parable is a reminder that the kingdom of God will be filled with many who in this life never received the comforts of work, security, or family. Yes, God wants us to invite the teddies, those on the margins, inviting them to our feasts, our luncheons, our dinners, because they can't repay us. And I don't know about you, but I find this to be reflective of God's great invitation to all of us. Most of us don't consider ourselves poor or crippled or blind or lame. But I have to tell you, God sees us that way. For we're all sinners, weary and burdened and blinded and crippled by our sin. And despite this, Jesus looks at us with his favor, offering us his saving grace, and he invites us to his great feast. Today, today you are invited to God's banqueting table, God's table of grace. And as we come forward to receive his meal, we do not come because we are deserving. We do not come because we are prominent people, but because God has invited us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. And as we gather around the table today, we do so on this All Saints Sunday, remembering that we enjoy this feast with all the saints in the kingdom of heaven who sit at the great messianic banquet with Jesus face to face. And together, we give praise to God because it is true. Blessed is the one, blessed are the ones who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Friends, my prayer is that we would all accept Jesus' great invitation that excludes no one to come, for everything is now ready. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.